0: This is Bariatric Life Podcast, where we share stories about weight loss surgery. We are not doctors, nor have we ever played one on TV. Please contact your doctor for medical advice. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Bariatric Life. This is Amanda. Today we're going to listen to Paulette with Phytology Store and she had surgery many, many, many years ago and is a great inspiration for all of us just starting out. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you?
1: I am excellent. I am excellent. Can you hear me okay?
0: I can. Can you hear me? I can. I can hear you great. Awesome. I'm hiding in my closet. So when the dogs start barking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we have to do that sometimes. I know. <laughs> Plus the, the kids can't find me in here either.
1: Oh, so it's your it's your hiding place that they have yet to discover. Yes. <laughs> OK, so don't let them listen to the podcast in case you you let that secret sleep. Slip. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> like, that's where she's at that's where she's hiding that's where she's hiding
0: <laughs> okay so let's start with your instagram handle
1: um it is speedology store f-i-t-o-l-o-g-y-s-t-o-r-e awesome and then what are your
0: stats like highest weight current weight goal weight
1: so my highest known weight was 330 pounds um my current weight is 185 Wow. And um, I have given up on a goal weight because, okay, so my goal weight used to be 170. Um, I reached that last year and I was super duper happy about it. And now um, the number is truly no longer a goal because I have achieved it. And I'm now looking, I'm now in a position of toning and getting my body to look the way that I want it to look um, in preparation for skin removal surgery that I'm probably going to have toward the end of this year. Right now it's on the books for November. um, And I'm more than likely will make that date. I've pushed it back a few times and that's for other reasons because I just have huge apprehensions about surgeries and, Mm -hmm. and anesthesia and things like that. Um, so I pushed it back a few times, but so, but that is my, my current focus. So my focus is no longer on the number because I have definitely reached, I've actually been less than, uh, 170. I think I got down to like 167 is the lowest that I've gotten. Um, and, but I'm, I'm real happy. The 180s, like 183 to 187 is just sort of kind of like my sweet spot. And that if I don't, I'm now at a point with the way that I eat, if I don't exercise or do anything, I sort of just hover in there. Right. If I exercise, then depending on the types of ex- exercises I'm doing, you go up or down. Or if I, you know, change my eating habits or I go out to dinner, two additional times or something like that, it may go up or something along those lines. But um, the number I, I'm I'm past goal weight. Goal yeah. weight is checked achieved and now I have different goals.
0: And did you have weight loss surgery?
1: I did have weight loss surgery. Um, I had specifically the duodenal switch back in April, um, April
0: 21st, 2010.
1: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm twelve year celebration now. Twelve year surgery anniversary tomorrow. Tomorrow, That's April twenty first. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be my twelve year surgery anniversary tomorrow.
0: And why did you choose that procedure?
1: Um, so that was it's interesting at the time when I finally was like I need to go ahead and do weight loss surgery it was the lap band was Uh super popular Um, I knew that I did not want to have gastric bypass I had known several people coming up um, you know teenage years um, other adults that had had gastric and um, their end story was not good it it was just not good so I knew I didn't want to have gastric Um, gotten to the point where it was just like I had had my son um, the year prior and that's why I gained I was always big but I had gained so much weight after having him and he was a big baby but he didn't take a lot of the weight from me and so I started researching and so I was like okay I'll do the lap band but then I I came up with my guidelines Um, I don't want anything I didn't want anything foreign left in my body so I did all of the um, internet research that I could and um, I started, you know, here, let me do a consult with a doctor and my doctor, Dr. Donald Mayner, he does um, informationals. And so he had an informational meeting about very, the various bariatric surgeries that he performed. I did not know anything about duodenal switch because I went specifically wanting to know about lap band.
0: Mm. And
1: so went to the informational. He That was when I first heard about duodenal switch. And um, and he explained what it was. And then he went on to explain lap band. And during it, I asked the question, hey, can after you've achieved your weight loss, you know, in a few years or what have you, can you have the port removed? And he's like, yes and no. You know, he's like, um, typically the port is not removed. And he's like, insurance will not pay for it. And he's like, most doctors are reluctant to do it. But of course, with the right amount of money, you can find a diet, you can pay and have a doctor remove the port. And, you know, he's like, well, for all intents and purposes, it's going to be there for the rest of your life. And so for me, it was just, I don't want anything foreign left in my body. So then, because he had already spoke about duodenal switch, I'm like, hey, there's nothing foreign left in your body after that. It's not as harsh as a gastric bypass, in which case he doesn't do gastric bypass because he's like, there are other bariatric options that are safer and just as effective. Mm -hmm. So um, I I admired him for that as well. Um, So that's when I was like, okay, let's talk further about duodenal switch. So that's how it actually came. That's how it came into my knowledge And that is when actually I made the decision. And that's why I made the decision as opposed to going with lap band, which is what I initially was seeking out and more information on. Can
0: you explain how the switch works? Because some of those
1: things just really confuse me. So, okay. So I am going to tell you the the short story of how Dr. Maynard explained it. 12 years ago, because I am sort of kind of where you're at now when I'm seeing people get the sleeve and hearing how other people are now describing duodenal switch. So the short and skinny of it is they go in, they do not remove your stomach. They remove a percentage of your stomach. Mm -hmm. So you still have a fully functioning stomach, which is not the case with gastric bypass. That is why you have so many food restrictions Uh with gastric bypass. So they remove a percentage of your stomach um, and then they suture you back up. It is a malabsorptive procedure. So doing things like I know that I will be on vitamins for the remainder of my life. I know that I will have vitamin deficiencies for the remainder of my life, regardless of how much and how much spinach and kale I eat. I am still going to have vitamin deficiencies because the procedure is malabsorptive and that is a lifelong irreversible effect residual Mm -hmm. effect and so that was explained to me but the short and skinny of it that is what it is it makes your stomach smaller so that you cannot hold because over a lifetime you we stretch our stomachs out Mm -hmm. over our lifetime we stretch our stomachs out so they bring your stomach back about to normal size, in which case the normal size of any person's stomach, including children, should be the size of their fist. So if you make a fist right now and look, that is the size that your stomach should be, the size right. of your fist. So they bring your stomach back down to what a normal size should be. And then in that situation, you you literally cannot... Eat an entire plate of food and understand I could not eat a t- an entire plate of food after that surgery for several years. I just couldn't. And yeah. it was a good thing for me because they do let you know over time you can restretch your stomach, you know, but it was a good thing for me because I started to adjust my portion size. My mm-hmm. mental started to adjust with it because my physical was rejecting it. So mm-hmm. my mental was like, why are you making this big old plate of food? Because you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to eat it. You know, you can't finish it. And typically you do realize that you do become full in a, anywhere from a fourth to a half of what you used to prepare prior to surgery and mm-hmm. going back and getting seconds was something that I didn't do for a very long time. You know, I'll go back and get seconds now, but if you saw what my initial plate preparation was you would be like oh no wonder she's going back to get seconds because her first plate looks skimpy to begin with yeah (laughs) you know I still don't make huge plates of food I still do not make huge plates of food there's just no there's no reason to because I understand that as long as everything that on my plate is balanced um, I am going to get the nutrition that I need from it yeah, Um I do eat for nutrition now I do still enjoy you know I have treats and things like that but my primary goal every single day is to make sure that I'm eating for nutrition first that's a good
0: way of putting it I think
1: mm-hmm. yeah so that that's duodenal switch the short and skinny of it and they do Remove your gallbladder. He once told me that. He once told me why, but he said with most bariatric surgeries, if the gallbladder is not removed, they remove it. Um, I don't remember why, but I do know that my gallbladder is is uh, gone. So yeah, they do remove the gallbladder when they perform that surgery as well. And did your insurance cover it? My insurance through my job did cover it, um, you know, having to go through uh, whatever, not whatever, having to go through that process to qualify, um, in which case I did, you know, at 330 pounds, um, I had been through, and I, I was, I've um, been fat since the third grade, like literally in third grade, I just sort of kind of blew up, you know, prior to that, I was a twig, and in third grade, I just blew up, and um, I've always been tall, you know, I'm five seven, and I've been five seven since I was in the sixth grade. So I was my I had reached my adult height in sixth grade. So, you know, being taller, you sort of kind of you can still tell that you're overweight, but you hold the weight a little bit differently. Yeah. Um. So, you know, um, that was somewhat of an advantage throughout my life. But again, you reach 330 pounds at five, seven. You look 330 pounds and and I really, truly looked 330 pounds. By then I had been. Done, i had did every single diet known: jenny craig and nutrisystem both of them <laughs> Slim fast i did a grapefruit diet this diet the army diet that diet the diets that i created starvation diet I, I had did everything yeah you know um to no avail you know um i was always able to lose some weight and then immediately pick it back up and more
0: yeah
1: immediately pick it back up and and more i had no idea what maintenance was so once uh the diet was over the diet was over right because i had no idea what maintenance was
0: did you have any complications with your surgery
1: um not it, it it turned out not to be a, a complication. When he did go in, um, he ended up taking more of the stomach than what is typically taken because I had a mass. So he removed the mass um, because he was just he and he said he was like, I didn't see it until I was getting ready to close. And so he's like, I had to take it. So in which case he's like, we took more of the stomach than we typically would have um but it was you know sent to the lab and it was benign but there was definitely a mass there and so he removed that um I one of my apprehensions about surgery is that at that time because of my weight um I had issues with uh waking up from the anesthesia oh, so no. I yeah so I you know got to the hospital at like five twenty a.m and, you know, the surgery took a few hours and then it was over, you know, well before 11 or something like that at 11 a.m. And I didn't wake up until 9 p.m. Oh, goodness. And so and when I woke up, I was in I, in ICU and every I mean, it was almost like everybody was um sort of kind of like waiting on me to wake up because I yeah. felt like it was like a hand clap. When I finally woke up because everybody was like, welcome back, sunshine. And I'm like, welcome back. And so I'm looking out the window, remembering it was dark when I came into the hospital. And and I'm like, did he do the surgery? And they're like, you've been out of surgery like earlier today. (laughs) And I was like, what time is it? And then it was after 9 p.m. And then that's when they told me they were like, we were worried because you didn't come out of You didn't come out of your anesthesia, and my doctor had not. He didn't leave the hospital. He stayed all day because he was like, "I need to make sure that you know. She, I need to be here when she wakes up. I need to make sure that she wakes up." He had called my family and my emergency contacts and everything to let them know, like, "Hey, she has not woken up yet. You know, you don't need to come right now. She's stable, but you know, she's not woken up yet." So, um, if you consider that a complication. That would have been a close as close to a complication um, that there was. But after I woke up completely fine, Um, I was walking immediately. Um, You know, I relieved myself once I was able to actually get out of the bed and walk, which was actually the next day. Um, the, The things, all the milestones that he needed me to do prior to leaving the hospital, I actually did it, did it all the next day. Um, You know, I walked the hospital floor. He was like, you know, I would like for you to walk it, you know, at least one time. And I was, I did three laps just because I was tired of laying in the bed. Uh Um, You know, I was holding down food and then in in the whole nine yards. So he was very happy with that. And, you know, I was able to go ahead and go home. But if if there was a complication, that was it.
0: Well, no wonder you're apprehensive about About surgeries. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: But um, I have had to have other procedures for other reasons. And the one thing that, um, you know, they attributed it to, because I have not had any other complications with the anesthesia since. But that was enough to scar me because, you know, at that time I had five small children. Yeah. um, But they were like, it was more than likely because of your weight, you know, Mm -hmm. in which case that is no longer an issue. You right. know, your weight is no longer an issue. You're coming out of anesthesia the way we want you to, the way we've needed you to, because I've had uh, other procedures since then. And they're like, you're coming out of anesthesia, no problem. You know, and there's no complications during the operation um, with your breathing or anything like that. So, because I always make sure to ask afterwards. Yeah. And so, you know, but it's still like, that was just super scary. So, you know, I still hold on to that apprehension. So, Yeah for sure did you have any health
0: conditions prior to surgery that have improved
1: ironically no so this is the whole irony of it all I was not I had no hypertension I had no diabetes no heart disease or anything like that 330 pounds fast forward some years and I am now in a high stress job in corporate America and I was pre-diabetic oh no I actually had hypertension and was taking <laughs> hypertension medication. Thank you, God. I had no, I've never had any heart issues. And I ended up quitting the job. And um—and the job had me drinking, call, like I was a regular Starbucks person, seven days a week, not just five, seven mm. days a week. I was on Starbucks. And when I say on, because caffeine and sugar are drugs. So I was on Starbucks, <laughs> yeah, like seven days a week. And- when well, my primary care was she was like, OK, now we're treating you for diabetes and hypertension. You do have hypertension and you are pre-diabetic. And she's like, these things are completely reversible. She told me she's like, they are completely reversible. Um, and she told me the thing she's like, I'm going to give you these prescriptions And she's like, for the hypertension, she's like, I need you to start taking it. She said, for the pre-diabetes, I'm not going to give you anything. But if you change your lifestyle, she was like, I won't have to give you anything. I took her 100% serious. I cold turkeyed Starbucks. Um, I also... um, Outside of cold turkey, Starbucks, I started to change the way that I was eating and some of the things that I was eating because I had picked up bad eating habits because of the stress that I was under. I went back to her in three months time and she's looking at me like, what did you do? (laughs) She's like, you can stop the hypertension medication today. You know, um, because I had also been to I went and bought a blood pressure, a a blood pressure cup for home and I had been monitoring, you know, my blood pressure. And she's like, "Nope, there's nothing for diabetes that we need. And she's like, whatever you're doing, you need to do it. Eventually, I ended up resigning and quitting the job, (laughs) Um, in which case I'm just I can tell you that my health is so priority and number one for me, if I have to quit a job for my health. I will do it and I have done it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and that goes along with mental health, too. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. Well, and that that's what the job situation was. It was so high. I worked in finance and it was just so high stress. And I worked for one of the highest producing branches where I live. So you don't get to be one of the highest producing branches without some level of stress and and goals and hurdles that they're very much so have to be met. Um, And that it, it started to it really truly started to take its toll on me. So, you know, I had to make the executive decision in my life, regardless of how much wonderful money I was making, that there was no amount that was worth my physical health and it also did help me mentally because at that time I had a counselor uh and a psychiatrist um at the height of the worst of it all I was taking like 11 pills a day yeah because I was under so much uh stress I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression I had this hypertension stuff going on, and it was, and I just looked around like this is not the life that I want for myself, and my paycheck doesn't make me feel better
0: about
1: yeah. having a life every day. So, being that that's not the case, you know, I had to go ahead and and resign. And, and in all honesty, um, within about ninety days. After I resigned, I was successfully off of everything. I, oh, I was complete. Okay. I was off of every single medication. Um, I had started having migraines, like 11 pills. I had migraines, I had vertigo. Um, I had so many things going on in addition to the hypertension and the diabetes. Um, I uh, My sciatica kicked in. I had, um, when I was pregnant, my son was huge and he sat on my sciatic nerve. And then it all of a sudden, like my sciatica flared up and, you know, I'm getting like uh, cortisone shots. And it was just like, I mean, I I had great benefits because (laughs) my benefits were taking care of all of these doctor's appointments. But I'm like, this is not the life that I don't want this life. I don't want my life being scheduled chock full of doctor's appointments. So, you know, making the just making that executive decision to have that type of surgery because I wanted a better life. I had to make that type of executive decision for my life when it came to my career because of how much my career spilled over into other aspects of my life and was affecting it negatively. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in the 12 years since your surgery, have you ever had buyer's remorse? No. Really? No good for you
1: yeah no no um i will say that there are times that i was just like i'm gonna be like god i i have to take vitamins for the rest of my life it is uh daunting and tiring but i do understand why You know, I have to do it now. um, My goal every year, because I still see my surgeon for my annual every year, in addition to my primary care for my annual physical, I still see my bariatric surgeon every year, 12 years out um, to see where I stand with him. And um, my goal has now been not necessarily to not have to take the vitamins, but to make sure that I'm getting quality vitamins. So now that's my biggest thing is, you know, researching the vitamin line, um, seeing if they're organic or vegan or something along those lines to make sure that I'm taking very quality um based vitamins because you know when you take vitamins, you don't absorb a hundred percent anyway. Right. You know, you don't absorb a hundred percent anyway. So um you know, I I definitely have not had any type of remorse from the surgery. If I do have anything that is a, and I don't like to use the word regret, but for lack of better terminology, regret is um, two things. I wish that the bariatric community that is alive and well today was available to me 12 years ago oh yeah i honestly believe that i and i i am a success story understand this year this many years out i have shed it over 140 pounds and have kept it off um and and I, I i achieved that uh within my fourth year i was at over 140 pounds down and I have not went back over it. So um, actually, that wasn't even four years. I had it in 2010. So in 2013 is when I reached like 190 pounds. And I never went back over that. So I, I've definitely maintained 140 plus pound weight loss, you know, for a significant um, amount of time. I really and truly wish that I would have also exercised more earlier on um, than I did. Once by the time I started picking up the importance of exercising, uh, probably maybe about four or five years ago, I really and truly was like, I'm walking every day. I'm really and truly utilizing the gym membership that I'm paying for, but hadn't been going to, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I would have exercised more in the beginning. And I mean more, I was doing just the basics of what my doctor had told me to do. Um, So I was doing just the basics. And I wish that the community was as robust and available to me at that time. Um, But as far as like my eating, 100% followed the guidelines of the nutritionist um, to start. And then as time went on, you know, I started to do my own research. Um, I was vegan for several years and that treated me very, very well. I lead mostly a vegan lifestyle. When I'm at home, I'm full vegan. When I go out in society and I have to pay for food, I am not that firm. Like I still want to enjoy food. Right. Right. So I don't necessarily hold myself to those, those strict guidelines. I will eat fish. Um, I still try to stay away from beef. Um, and over time, my taste buds, I don't like chicken anymore. So um, my taste buds change. I'm not really fond of chicken anymore. And beef actually upsets my stomach. Even though I love beef, it upsets my stomach. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't a huge pork eater anyway um and i think i stopped eating turkey like as a kid cuz just thanksgiving and you know after <laughs> thanksgiving you have turkey for like till january 1 yeah. so it's just like i'm really not fond of turkey either um so you know my eating habits have been good no backsliding or remorse there i'm not upset Because of the type of surgery, there was no food restrictions for duodenal switch. So it's like, you know, it's not like, oh, there's something that I cannot eat. Anything I've wanted to eat, I had no restrictions from eating. Um, Now, more recently, I've been lactose intolerant since I was in my 20s. I now have soy intolerance. And it's, it's gotten worse over the years. And it doesn't fare well when you're vegan. Um, because soy is, is such a high vegan, you know, substitute. Yeah. Um, and I, I just recently have discovered that I have gluten intolerance. So that is making the eating lifestyle a little bit more tricky in navigating that. But I am figuring things out as I go along. Um, I haven't missed any meals, which is a good thing, but the meals are definitely tweaked. So, um, You know, but again, no, no buyer's remorse. It would be only those two things when it comes to like the regrets. I wish I had the community, wish I had to exercise more, right? Like hit the ground running, being a gym rat would have been great because I'm seeing some of these people in their transformations, you know, in their first 18 months or their first year. I'm like, wow, like you so inspire me. (laughs) Right. I wish that I had these types of examples 12 years ago, but I didn't. What, what kind of exercise did you do at the beginning? I, everything was cardio. Everything was cardio. So I walked, I ran. I actually did. One thing I did, do I develop uh, the ability to run? You know, so um, and it, everything was like cardio. And then, of course, you know, I did the sit ups. I can do a push up. You know, I can do push ups now, like not just the girl ones. I can do <laughs> push ups. So, you know, I can do push ups and sit ups and and all of the cardio things that, you know, you do in gym class. You know, yeah. you go to like these classes and things like that hadn't really and truly incorporated weights. Um, although my son plays football and we have weights at the house. Every now and again, I'll have him come and he'll work me out and we'll work out with the weights. Um, But mostly it is the cardio. I'm now at a crossroad because it's like the number is not an issue for you. So not that you don't need to do cardio, but you do need to do weight training. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I'm at I'm needing to do the weight training because I'm wanting to transform and define and things like that, because the number is definitely checked off the list. And it's no longer an issue because it's no longer a goal that I'm trying to achieve or maintain. I'm very happy with my weight. at. I'm very happy with where my weight is at right now.
0: And what kind of support system do
1: you have? Um. You know what? In all honesty, and I. I I will say that I always had the support system of my doctor and his team. Um, He had, because I'm from California and I'm in Georgia. So I didn't, I don't really have family here. You know, it's just me and my kids. I don't really truly have family here like that. Um, And I was the only person that I knew at the time that had bariatric surgery. Um, My cousin in the last three or four years, she ended up having the sleeve. So it felt good to be there for her and to be a sounding board for her and share recipes. And, you know, she had a lot of questions, even though we had different types of procedure. Nonetheless, there were bariatric procedures for weight loss. Um, But my doctor, he has a full, robust team and program. And, um, you know, so he had the psychiatrist and he had the Uh, counselor and he had the nutritionist and then his office staff is completely wonderful and he holds monthly uh, support groups which are actually on the third Thursday which is actually this Thursday tomorrow and I will be going to the support groups Um, I will say that in the beginning I went to them every single month and then it's 12 years out and I'll go I'll try to go like once or twice a year, you know, because I'm really much so into the groove of my life. Um, and, And I pretty much go back just to see where everyone's at and be a sounding board, be able to answer questions, for people who just had the surgery, for people who are about to have surgery or who got their date, um, if they have any questions, and also to just be an inspiration to say, hey, you you can do this. This is 100% possible, and it's possible with long-term effects. That's, you know? what,
0: that's what I was going to say, is that you You would be an inspiration to those people as well.
1: Yeah. And so that that's why I definitely make sure to to go back every now and again to, you know, and people look like you're how many years out? Because um, I do know um, that my my story is not typical of of weight loss, you know, of of patients of weight loss surgery Um, to be 12 years out and maintain this much weight loss. um, is just not it's not typical. And so it is to just let people know, like, you know, um, no, I'm not a gym rat. <laughs> no, I don't starve myself. And if you make the adjustments that you need to make for your life in your life, and you can commit to you through that, then you can be a success story because that's what I ended up doing. You know, I had to say this is what I can. Co- this is what I can do, and then this is what I'm going to commit to do for myself. Um, and I made sure that those goals. Were very much achievable and things that I can incorporate in my daily life. The things like not overeating, understanding when understanding what eating in a calorie deficit is, because um, for my surgery and most all bariatric surgeries, not most, all bariatric surgeries. They all, they all have a life expectancy or a life efficacy that they are effective and for duodenal switches for years. So the rule of thumb is year one. You lose an amount of weight. Year two, you are expected to lose 50% of what you lost in year one. Year three, you are expected to lose 50% of what you lost in year two. And then the same thing year four, you are expected to lose 50% of what you lost in year three. Mm -hmm. After year four, you are on your own. The effects of the weight loss of the surgery are no longer serving you after four years. Uh So then at four years, It was like, hey, this is a pivotal time when I can blow back up or I can do the things that I need to do and and continue to incorporate the lifestyle that the surgery led me to, i.e., I'm eating smaller portion sizes. After four years, I was still eating smaller portion sizes, understanding what it was I counted calories like feverishly in in the first several years to the point now I can look at a plate and know this is calorically okay for me to eat yeah I'm not overeating calories in this point because now it's not the surgery that's keeping my weight off it is I know that it is based how did I get big based on what I was putting in my mouth Uh so how do I maintain where I'm at I need to monitor still what's going in my mouth right And so those are the things that I end up doing. I'm still monitoring what's going in my mouth, how often I'm eating in a day. Um, And I've done everything. I've had the time period of time when I was only eating once a day. And then I had the period of time when I was eating like four to six small meals a day. I've done it all. And it it was really truly based on where I was at in my life. If I was able to maintain that or if that eating lifestyle was serving me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I came to try everything and see where it's at right now. I'm at two meals a day, you know, um, lunch every single day. And then based on the day I'll have breakfast or based on the day I'll have dinner. And it's not a conscious thing. It's just honestly where my body is at when I'm hungry and what I have on the agenda for the day and which part of the day is going to allot me to eat that additional meal.
0: Right. So What was your favorite non-scale victory?
1: Crossing my legs on the airplane, girl. (laughs) Crossing my legs on the airplane. That, without a doubt. And it still is, it's still awesome. I literally take a picture every time I get on a plane and I cross my legs on purpose and I take that picture. That is still the greatest non-scale victory for me. The I'm... first time I got on that plane and I was able to cross my legs comfortably and dangle my foot that was crossed. Oh my god, I was so in heaven.
0: And it's, it's so sweet how you are still so excited about mm-hmm. it. I yeah love it.
1: yeah, and being able to sit in a in a in an airline you know passenger seat and you can see the sides, both sides. You know, you're not scooting over to the left or scooting over to the right (laughs) so you can see the other side. I'm sitting smack dab in the middle of the seat and I can see down both sides. So, yeah, those are that that airplane ride was truly a a non scale victory for me. I've never had to have an extension for a seatbelt, but I definitely was the I filled the whole seat. Um, I had to cross at the ankle type thing now yeah. I'm able to cross my legs at the knee and the seat belt is pulled a little bit tighter there's a whole lot more slack than you know years prior when I was overweight so that that's the greatest thing in the world
0: and what about your favorite non-food reward
1: um I so I still am into retail therapy <laughs> <I'm a> Shopper, <laughs> you and me both <laughs> yes I am a shopper I am a shopper I'm a shopper um And um, I have learned to honestly find um, things that I am in, whatever I'm into at the time, to spend my money on. And they last longer than the meal. They they typically last longer than the meal. So it's almost like the money was better spent that way than on the food.
0: I think I'm going to use that when talking to my husband. Mm Mm-hmm okay (laughs) it's a freebie (laughs) you feel free free. I'm gonna take that one (laughs) what was the most physically challenging part of your whole journey
1: um when I after I had given birth to my son um and I've posted pictures and and posted a memory of that on my uh page um, where I live, we have a town center and, uh, there was one day I had taken my kids out to the town center and they have like the fountains. It was during the summer and they had the fountains and my son was a baby and my, my other four children, they were running to play at the fountain. And I was getting, and I wanted to take my son to go and play at the fountain. He was still a baby. like couldn't walk baby. I think he might've been like maybe six or seven months. Yeah. And, um, I was winded and exhausted. And in that moment, it was like, I have to do something. Like I have a, a, a kid, I have a baby that, you know, how am I going to keep up with him and run with him? And it was just like, I wanted to take him to that fountain so much, but I was so winded. And I knew that if we went, I couldn't engage or play with him. I just would have stood there holding him. In which case I was so big, it was enough for me to hold myself. Um, also, we have stairs where we live and the stairs were starting to become an issue for me. You know, getting out of the car and walking up the stairs to our apartment, um, I would be winded by the time I just one flight of stairs, by the time I reached the top of the stairs. And so those types of things had started to become I noticed them immediately. Like, dang, I just made it to the top step, and I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, you know. And so those two were the, the definitely the moment that that uh, day we were out at the town center was when I was like, I need to look into weight loss surgery. Um, that was the day I needed to look in. I was like, I need to look into weight loss surgery. Prior to that, with the stairs, it was I have got to lose weight you know it's just I gotta lose weight I gotta lose weight but that was the day that I was like I need to look into weight loss surgery because by then it was like you've done every single diet and they've not you've not been successful you've had no long-term success and this boy is not even a year old and you can't do the things that you know you want to do with him and so that's when I, I definitely made the decision.
0: And what are you looking forward to the most in the next year?
1: I am definitely looking forward to transforming my body. That is my biggest goal—to um, transform my body to be um, and and to really and truly let go of any anxieties and apprehensions that I have about getting the skin removal surgery. I've already been to a consult. I know exactly how much it is. Um, I know what he's going to do. Procedures very much. So he's a part of my bariatric surgeon's team. My bariatric surgeon refers his patients to, he has two plastic surgeons that are very well versed in doing skin removal surgery on bariatric patients. Um, so I went with one of them. And um, so that is something that I do want. Um, I'm not having any more kids. Clearly, I just turned 48 on this past Saturday, April 16. So it's like I'm not having any more kids and so now will be the time for me to make that type of investment yeah you know and and i know that i need to do the working out and i need to do the um the weight training and you know with it being april and now i'm looking at november i have more than enough time to not only make the change but incorporate that into that regimen, into my lifestyle, because it's not going to be a one and done. I know that it's not a, I'm going to work out till November and I'm going to get this surgery, this skin removal, and then I'm done. No, I know that it's something that I will, even if I modify it, even if I'm only doing it twice a week or something along those lines, but it's something that I know that I have to mentally be ready and accept that it will now need to be a part of my lifestyle moving forward. So, you know, that is what my, that is what my true next goal is and and next thing is for me um, in my life with regards to this whole weight loss journey and being, you know, happy in it.
0: What tips would you give somebody just starting out on their journey?
1: Um, One thing I tell people is to, and this is just my opinion, not allow bariatric surgery to be your immediate go-to um let it be your last resort because it is a major surgery and it is something that you that it will become a part of for the rest of your life i.e i have to take vitamins for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. um and then if you get to that point where you say this is my last resort um go ahead and do the research on all of the options available to you. You can go to the best bariatric surgeon. And if you find the best in your area or world-renowned, great. But go to that bariatric surgeon with a ton of questions because they're going to guide you in the way that they feel is best for you. And then you want to have that bounce-off conversation. Well, why not this one? Why not that understand why the other options are not the best option for you so that, you know, within yourself, I did the research and now I can tell you why the other options were not the best option for me. At the time, my three options were gastric bypass, which I had. I already said a hard no to. Um, I was looking at lap band and then duodenal switch was introduced to me. And so when lap band ruled itself out for me, because of the port being left in, then I came to duodenal switch. So for me, it's like, okay, I had what these what my potential options were at that time 12 years ago. And then it came to rule down to that duodenal switch was the best one for me. So I definitely feel that people should 100% do your research. Google is all of our friends. So Google is your friend. And, and then when you go to your surgeon, you want to toss around what options are out there currently. And, and you, you tell me which one you feel is best for me and why. And then also humor me and tell me why you feel the other ones would not be as effective as the one you think is best for me. I feel like if you make a life, a, such a huge life decision for yourself, you need to be 100% positive and knowledgeable. why that was the best decision for you not just because your surgeon said so
0: yeah that's a a really good tip Mm -hmm. well I don't have any other questions except is there anything else you want to share or
1: you know what I want to thank you first have you had bariatric surgery I had the
0: sleeve about two and a half months ago
1: Really, how would it, what is your, what is your experience been like? Have you, are you still, well, you're still losing, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you losing at a pace that you're happy with or that you expected?
0: It has been unexpected. I didn't realize I would lose so much so quickly, mm-hmm. but I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> right. I mean, Word.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't have any complications or any problems at all. So
1: like, it's really been a, a wonderful um, tool definitely. for me. Yes, definitely. I I actually, again, just that bariatric community that is available now. And I honestly want to thank you and applaud you for creating this platform and giving people a voice to hear these stories, you know, and allowing people's stories to be heard of both successes and failures and trials and tribulations. um, Because for those who have not had it, it gives them a, a good realistic bird's eye view. And for those who have had it, it continues to inspire them or it lets them know that you can do it even if I have backslid and I've gained, you know, or if I'm at a plateau there is still 100% hope that you can still move forward and still get the best results from just what you said, this tool. You know, um, another thing I would like to say for anybody who is considering it or for people who have gotten the surgery, do not allow society to shame you for it. Um, I will tell you that in the beginning, I was very ashamed to tell people that I had bariatric surgery. I was, too. People were asking me, oh, my God, Paulette, how would you lose the weight? And I was like, oh, I just changed how I was eating. But yeah, that was it. And it was like, "Nah, you don't lost 100 pounds, chick. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was not through you eating. You know it has to do your surgery. But I was so ashamed. And it's like, because, again, that bariatric community was not there. and And now identifying it as a tool is something that's even new to me. Yeah that it was a tool that I utilized. And for those who lose massive amounts of weight, quote unquote naturally, I applaud you. And I will not allow you to shame me or look down on me because I was at a position where I needed to utilize a tool in order to get those same results. Yeah, I say bravo to us both. You know, bravo to us both.
0: I, I, before my surgery I only had a handful of people that knew and then it has only just been recently that people have noticed I'm losing weight and I've said well I've had weight loss surgery and let me tell you all about it and it it took a couple months for me
1: to get to that place but Mm -hmm. I'm glad I got there good definitely stay there you know being firm in your decision and that that's that's one of the reasons why i would tell people to do all of your research so that you are firm in your decision and do not allow any anyone's opinion to make you be ashamed or waver i was at a position where i already knew i had under my belt i have tried everything mm-hmm You know, it it wasn't a I didn't desire it. I didn't want it bad enough. Of course, I wanted it bad enough. Right. But, you know, for the serve, I can come up with every single reason why it was hard for me to do it. And they were all valid. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I am Paulette. And they were valid for me. And just because you were able to do it for wherever you were at in your life, at the age and time and space and career and family status that you were at in your life, if you were able to do it naturally, great for you. Guess what? At that moment that I knew that I was not going to be able to enjoy my baby in the way that I wanted to enjoy him. Yeah. I knew that I needed to do something and I had the experience under my belt to know that there was no diet that was going to work for me. Yeah. And so it was like I I definitely at this stage, I am proud to tell people that I had bariatric surgery and, and that and that the type of surgery that I had, because immediately in the beginning when I would tell people. Oh, you had gas. They immediately said gastric. And I was like, no, I didn't say I had gastric. I had bariatric surgery. The surgery I had was to no switch. You know, there's other surgeries outside of gastric bypass because their whole, their first thing was like, oh my God, isn't gastric so harsh. I was like, it is, but I didn't have gastric bypass. <laughs> And, ga- and you're right. Gastric bypass is a very hard surgery to have, you know, and but it's like I didn't have that surgery. So having to correct and educate people in the various types of bariatric surgery that yeah. there was. Um, and so in that I started to started to understand, like, it's not a shameful thing. There's nothing wrong with being ashamed. Like, are you ashamed to get in that size eight? Nope that's where I'm at I'm a size eight I've been a size eight for a lot of years now are you ashamed to be a size eight no okay what got you to that size eight that surgery so do you regret that surgery no and and when I started saying those things to myself it was like I don't have any problem anymore in telling anybody that I had bariatric surgery yeah you know
0: and I think part of it for me was like I was still convinced that it wouldn't work Mm mm-hmm even though like logically like it pretty much has to work mm-hmm. but i was still in that spot where you know weight watchers didn't work and this didn't work and that didn't work so this won't work either and then when it started working and people started noticing yeah here's what i did
1: <laughs> right right and i'm glad i'm glad you did it i'm glad you did it you know and i'm glad that you are experiencing the success that you are experiencing, you know, at the rate that you're experiencing it, you know, and and the one thing you do, which I'm certain you're very much so knowledgeable is understanding where the lifestyle changes need to come in and yeah. be open to adjusting and making the adjustments for your life, not until the weight is gone. You know, when I reach my goal weight or when I, no, 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 this is going to be for the rest of your life. You're going to make these changes for the rest of your life. Not until you reach your goal weight.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: that's a nice milestone, but understand you need to keep doing what you're doing. If you want to stay around that goal weight, (laughs) because if you're like goal weight check and you go back to old habits, you're going to be moving in the wrong way, you know, from your goal weight. So congratulations to you. Well, Definitely thank you. Congratulations to you. And yeah. you too. Your story is very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, I really enjoyed chatting with you tonight. Yes. Thank
1: you. I enjoyed it with you as well. I really and truly did.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I will let you go then. I think okay. my husband got
1: home and. He knows you. He knows your hiding place. Yeah. I told okay. him. I That's it. Like, yeah.
0: I said, just in case you're freaking out because you can't find me. I'm in the closet.
1: Like, I didn't leave. i, didn't them, I promise you. <laughs> See, my car outside and be like, did she run away on foot? No, <laughs> I'm in the closet, babe. I'm in the closet. I have kids. <laughs> well, enjoy your evening and thank you for your time. Thank okay. you, Paulette. Okay. Have a good
0: one. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. And that was my interview with Paulette. I hope you really enjoyed it and found her to be as inspirational as I did. And come back next week and check us out again. This is just a reminder that neither Amanda nor Chris are doctors and you should always talk to your doctor before making any changes. This is our journey and our opinions. You can always find us on Instagram at bariatric life Podcasts and help support us by clicking subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to have new episodes every Sunday.